You're listening to Food for the Future on 980CFPL and 980CFPL.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. I'm Peggy O'Neill, home economist and host of Food for the Future. Today's show is part of the monthly series, Food for Thought. We unpack some of the big ideas about food in order to raise the conversation level and to stimulate lively discussions about food. Today, we're discussing food insecurity and the regular availability of enough affordable, nutritious food. It's my sincere pleasure to introduce and welcome back Dr. Benjamin Hill, Chair of the Middlesex London Food Policy Council. Welcome, Benjamin. Uh, Thank you, Peggy. I'm very pleased to be here. We're really happy to have you. Benjamin, can you give us some background and history on the Middlesex London Food Policy Council, what it is and how it got started? So the Middlesex London Food Policy Council is a relatively new organization. Uh, It formed in late 2017 uh, as a result of the uh, 2015 community food assessment. And one of the big takeaways from that assessment was the importance of and need for uh, a food policy council. So communities coming together, not just in Middlesex, London, but across the province to try to raise awareness and advocate for issues that were unique to the local area. And can you give us some more information about the mandate and purpose of the Middlesex London Food Policy Council? So food policy councils um, really approach the food system as a system. I mean, food is one of those things that uh, intersects with lots of different uh, domains. Uh, it crosses lots of different uh, governmental boundaries and regulatory boundaries. Um, food is uh, something that arises within the uh, uh, federal and provincial agricultural portfolios at the government level. It also arises in the health portfolios. It crosses into uh, the community. Uh, so the Middlesex London Food Policy Council is a combination uh, or a joint project of uh Uh, community and city uh, stakeholders. You know, that's one of the reasons why uh, food policy councils uh, really have a unique perspective. They're looking at it from the standpoint of a whole integrated system. We're looking at the entire system as a whole. I think that's a really important point to make that many times, yes, we need specialists and there are certain things that require focused attention, but often when we look only in one direction um, too far, too long, if inevitably we run into a gap or a barrier we've, or we've missed something. And I know that there's a lot of uh, hard work happening in the community. And so could you tell us, Benjamin, some of the recent achievements of the Middlesex London Food Policy Council uh, has made for our community? So you might be able to kind of guess that uh, from the nature of food policy work, um, it involves a lot of uh, behind the scenes relationship building, uh, developing connections between the different sectors, um, uh, and uh, really fostering a kind of dialogue. So a lot of food policy work is something that goes on behind the scenes. You know, a lot of our achievements are cultivating those relationships, being able to bring these people together to have these conversations. We aim to be the, a voice for the community. We don't make policy. We have recommendations about what policy should be made. We have provide uh, comments. We advocate uh, for and lobby for policy. So the achievements that, that we've uh, been involved with uh, really involve the partnerships we've made. So pointing to some kind of recent achievements, uh, uh, last year when COVID first hit, the, the parks were shut down and this involved in the community gardens as well. And this happened uh, in the early spring, right when planting season begins. 
So we worked with community partners. We worked with municipal uh, and uh, provincial partners to advocate uh, and lobby the uh, pr uh, provincial government to include community gardens as essential services. And so we were successful in that um, and they opened up last spring. A, a number of our other kind of achievements are working at the federal level on school food programs. Uh, and probably the largest achievement uh, is what we'll talk about a little bit more as we go forward, which is the uh, focus of uh, London Community Recovery Network on food security issues as an important domain of, uh, of action. Just amazing things going on that, as you say, may not get noticed every day. I know that I was really impressed with the work that the Policy Council had done under your leadership with Bill 216, the Food Literacy for Students Act, uh, connecting in with some of the federal and not just local, but provincial leaders to really understand from a Middlesex London perspective what some of the priorities were. And of course, there was uh, supporting some of our local restaurants who were having uh, significant challenges with um, managing the pandemic and what it meant to their bottom line. So I know there's a lot of amazing work going on with the Food Policy Council, and I know it's going to continue to happen. And I'd like to just turn our focus today to food insecurity. And we hear more and more about this in the media and in policy conversations, but at a community level, what is it? So I'm, I'm glad that you uh, brought up the idea of uh, food security at a community level. Oftentimes, food security is thought of in terms of household food security. Household food security uh, has to do with the uh, capacity of a household or a family uh, to uh, acquire the food that it needs to, uh, to, to feed everybody within that household. Uh, it usually focuses on what Amarata Sen, uh, the Nobel winning economist, and what uh, Sen talks about in terms of entitlement. Money is typically the, the most common entitlement, but it's not the only one. The ability to afford food, but uh, there's a, lot, a number of other entitlements that allow people to access food, one of which would be a school food program. Uh, a lot of countries, Canada's unfortunately not one of them, have school food and school nutrition programs that allow uh, families to uh, have access to food for their children on a regular daily basis. Community food security really has to do with the capacity that a community has for supplying wholesome, fresh, nutritious food to its uh, members. Um, so it has a lot to do with the resources that are available within the community for uh, feeding itself. So it really intersects with what oftentimes gets described as food sovereignty. That's a great addition to the conversation is this notion of food sovereignty, two factors to it in a community, that there is input from the community in the type and nature of food that is available, but also that the capacity is there to um, access it. And I think it's an important distinction, household uh, food insecurity from community food insecurity. And there are a lot of initiatives happening in London. And it's really, I think, important to loop back to what you had said earlier in terms of a system, a community as a system. And I know there are still a lot of hungry people in London and surrounding area. We are building capacity and working very diligently forward. And I think that we need a great example somewhere in our nation of where it's possible. I know Finland uh, has... Uh, no homelessness. And so somewhere along the line, that nation decided we're, we're not going to have people living on the streets. And I think that if we could get an example in Canada in a, a food secure community, that we could just go out from there. And I think all of the things that you mentioned in your response just now are building capacity for that in the London and community food system so that we can actually achieve that. So I'm wondering then what policy initiatives are underway to address food insecurity at a community level in Middlesex, London. 
London has had an urban agricultural strategy since 2017, and they've been implementing that as the years have progressed. They are currently uh, working on implementing the uh, production side of, of that urban agriculture strategy. That's a relatively new initiative that the city's doing that's, I think, really important for helping to build that capacity. Uh, the other, I think, really noteworthy component is uh, the London Community Recovery Network. Um, and one of the initiatives that they focused on was this idea of community food security. They are working with uh, the, the Middlesex London Food Policy Council uh, and a variety of other local stakeholders uh, to uh, look at how it is that we can improve community food security uh, over the next uh, three years and try to uh, develop uh, our, our local food system and become a resilient and robust uh, local system that will serve us during, our or during ordinary times, uh, as well as be a resource for uh, any potential future emergencies like the pandemic. A lot of great work going on. And how could, you had mentioned a, a consultation process or a fact-finding process is underway right now. How can uh, people find out about that? Or what educational or economic resources are available in Middlesex London to help with community food insecurity? So the, the public comment period, you know, the city, the city posts those uh, on their website and we certainly share those as well through the Food Policy Council's website. So I direct people to those. Uh, we also uh, share those uh, informations uh, on, on our social media. As far as kind of uh, uh, educational resources go, I think um, following uh, information on the London Food Bank's website is really, really good. Uh, the uh, Food Banks of Ontario release a... Uh, uh, an annual hunger report, usually in November, uh, which talks about uh, trends and issues that arise with regard to household food uh, insecurity uh, during the year. Um, and uh, there's a group policy group out of uh, the University of Toronto that are really good to, to follow. It's called, uh, the website is called Proof, P-R-R-O-F. Lots of great resources that are being published regularly either via social media or as up, more formal updates come. Uh, but certainly the following of the Middlesex London Food Policy Council's uh, social media initiatives and, and going to its website regularly will really help people with some of the main things that are happening. And I'm so glad that at a systemic level, at a policy level, that Middlesex London Food Policy Council members and their supporters are really making these things happen. And I wish we had more time to talk uh, about community food insecurity, but we're going to have to go to break, after which we'll discuss more about the availability of food as it relates to food insecurity in the household level. We'll shift gears from community to household and we'll continue on with Dr. Benjamin Hill, Chair of the Middlesex London Food Policy Council. Welcome back to Food for the Future on 980CFPL and 980CFPL.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. Peggy O'Neill, home economist and host of Food for the Future. We're speaking with Dr. Benjamin Hill, chair of the Middlesex London Food Policy Council about food insecurity at a household level, in particular, the availability of enough food. Benjamin, according to the Middlesex London Health Unit website, one in seven families in our London and surrounding community area are food insecure. What contributes to this? You know, a, a major factor in household food uh, insecurity has to do with 
uh, income uh, and those entitlements that uh, Amaratta Sen uh, described. In Canada, in my household, uh, money is the, the main entitlement that we have. But for other people, people that have gardens or have access to community gardens, uh, that can be an entitlement. Uh, uh, people that have access to food programs or social assistance programs, uh, either through school or through community organizations, can be one of those uh, entitlements as well. So it's the lack of entitlements that cause a household food insecurity, whatever those entitlements might be. And so we're kind of back to the system that you mentioned before the break. So whether um, someone, you had mentioned money, and often it very much is related to income, food insecurity, but it isn't always and only that. That right. there is, as we learned in the pandemic, sometimes a shortage of food on the shelves. Um, sometimes if there is um, transportation or mobility uh, challenges and you can't actually get to the store um, and your support services and don't have access to them, there's a number of things that relate to the availability of food. There's, there's a lot more to it than that. And so I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit more about this access piece and not just money. Right. No, that's a, that's a really great point because, you know, our access is de determined by the system that we operate with it, right? And uh, there are multiple intersecting systems. You know, the, the more availability that we have locally um, and the easier it is to access, the easier it is for families and individuals to acquire that, uh, that really fresh, nutritious food. Uh, that local food system uh, involves, uh, again, uh, local production. You know, the urban agriculture strategy is an important part of, of that. Uh, the community gardens, uh, London has a really great community garden system. We would like to see that expanded. Uh, there's a wait list for that. And so that's one of the ways in which we can make this food available. We have some really great urban farms and urban uh, food production operations. Uh, we have farmers markets across the city. Uh, but being able to facilitate and grow those uh, local farmers markets uh, are all really uh, important factors in that availability portion of it. That's one of the things that uh, we as a food policy council really are uh, concerned with is increasing that capacity of the local food system uh, to everyone, all neighborhoods across the city and throughout the county. As you were speaking, I was thinking that it's comforting to know we're starting to have those dialogues about the agri-food system, that we're starting to make real plans. We know we have X number of population. We know roughly what we need to produce. How do we better get it allocated? And availability does relate to affordability. And the longer something travels, it can add dollars to it because there's more expenses with uh, distribution. So really building that local capacity and really a big shout out to farmers that they're long hours and high debt, high overhead and so really to thank and not just thank our local farmers but farmers across the nation and as you said it, it does all come back to a systemic level a very strategic level but rooted very deeply in what you talked about really the moral sort of dimensions behind it like the entitlements that a human being should have a right to expect in a good life or as a citizen of a certain part of the world. So uh, I think those are great things and uh, couldn't acknowledge Middlesex London Food Policy Council more for all the things that they're doing for us. To take it back to the pandemic for a moment, Benjamin, in the early, early days, uh, for the first time, London and the surrounding area experienced shortages of food on the shelves. That is something very rare. What measures does Middlesex London have in place to ensure regular availability of nutritious, affordable food that is suitable for individual preference and cultures? One of the things that we'd like to see is we'd like to see the local system, a system that really is central to uh, Middlesex London, become more robust and require a greater share of 
uh, people's uh, uh, eating habits. Um, I think that's where a lot of what we can do to kind of help support that system. The more you rely upon uh, a single system, uh, and especially one that depends upon just-in-time delivery, like the modern uh, industrial food system does, the less resilient it is, the less able it is to withstand uh, disruptions. So the, the more we have overlapping systems and the more uh, various those systems are. So having local local production is, I think, uh, all an important, uh, not just safety net, but an important component of having that uh, really uh, robust and uh, multifaceted food system. I agree with you. The diversification will add strength and it starts with awareness and understanding and, uh, you know, whether that's staying connected in with Millsex London Food Policy activities and actions. Um, becoming really aware of what our food system is. So really knowing where our food sources are locally, I think is really, really important and can help with understanding the availability of food as we talk about food insecurity, working towards a food secure community. Benjamin, across Canada, many rural and remote areas, the, there is a shortage of food. And I know in Middlesex, London, we do have amazing uh, land. We have incredible farmers. We have fishers not very far south. Uh, from us, so we really do have it all. But what can citizens in London and the surrounding area to do bring greater awareness to help the broader Canadian family, knowing that there are rural and remote areas that are in need? You know, that's that's a really difficult thing because uh, a lot of uh, a lot of the problems, especially in the uh, uh, in the north uh, of the province and of the country, have a lot to do with uh, infrastructure. We just need to recognize that um, the more we can do to help uh, help not only uh, build the infrastructure, uh, but to empower the communities to to be food sovereign, to recognize the traditional food ways they have, and to help enable those, uh, I think would would be a big uh, a big factor. You know, the supply chains um, are just difficult more generally in uh, remote areas. Uh, and, and that's something that uh, I think uh, is a challenge for the country as a whole. Uh, agreed. So I think to build on what you said, it is complex. Uh, it's not a single solution. And that just, uh, I think, become aware and uh, support as citizens, either of the nation or the province or, or of communities where there are some food insecure, rural and remote uh, individuals and uh, try to link in with the local resources to determine what can help with that is unique to the context and circumstances of the area that you live in is probably a really good idea. Um, that's really great advice. Thank you for that. Benjamin, do you have any final thoughts to offer our listeners on food insecurity or on the regular availability of culturally and socially appropriate nutritious food in Middlesex, London? Yes, um, I think the best thing that the people can do as individuals is to ensure that you have a diverse source of, of food for yourself and your family. Um, if you're getting all your food from the grocery store, you might wanna think about uh, accessing food from other places, uh, local you-pick operations, the local farmer's markets, um, a local livestock producer, and ensuring that you have a diversity of sources for your own food uh, helps to build that diverse food system that I think is really the robust, resilient one that, that we're, we're seeking to have, that we want to have. Uh, there's some something really magical about the strawberries that we're getting locally right now, uh, as opposed to the strawberries that are available year round. Um, and we want to make sure that we have that for the future. What a great concluding thought that, you know, we really are working towards the future, a, a robust, diverse, sustainable, um, not just ecologically sustainable, but actually financially viable, sustainable 
um, food available system. And I think you've given some really great examples of what each of us can do in our households, lots to think about, really supporting the people that are having um, an impact locally and offering us something great in order to make sure that it is always there because people can't uh, continue to produce things that don't get used. So that gets into a food waste issue and also uh, economic viability challenges. So that's just a wonderful addition. Thank you very much, Benjamin. Thank you, Peggy. Thank you so much for being here today. And you've offered such wonderful information and a broad and greater understanding of the hard work going on to ensure a secure and flourishing food system in every home, not just in our community, but as part of a community interested in the broader world, uh, really across Canada. So thank you very much for being here. Thank you, Peggy. It was very nice to be here. You're welcome. And I can't wait to have you back. Today on Food for the Future, we've been speaking with Dr. Benjamin Hill, Chair of the London Middlesex Food Policy Council. Each week, we leave you with something to talk about and something to do. Something to talk about, what can your household do to help ensure there's enough food available for our community, nation, and world? Something to do? Visit the Middlesex London Food Policy Council website to see all of the great action and advocacy that is occurring in our community. Next week on Food for the Future, we'll continue with Waste Not, in which we discuss food waste and what households can do to help feed a hungry home, community, and human family. Our guest is Michael Booth, chef and senior cooking instructor at the Stratford Chef School. We'll discuss the importance of managing pantry inventory and proper food storage as strategies to reduce waste. Thank you to our Platinum Level sponsors, Burn Bray Farms, Eggs for Life, and the Middlesex London Food Policy Council. Food for the Future with Peggy O'Neill airs every Saturday at 8.30 on 980 CFPL and 980 CFPL.ca.